Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com. Or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. Single key verse for the day today. Watch your heart in Proverbs 4.23. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, I like the King James Version on this one. It says, guard your heart, as though um, it's, it sounds even more active, right? Um, guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Next slide. Thank you. So, so we use these words a lot, right? And we think we have the understanding, right, you guys? Um, great vocabulary, um, getting your education, right? But this word diligence, I like to do this sometimes. You say, Pastor, you're a nerd. Sometimes I am. But devoted and painstaking work and application to accomplish a goal. Think about something that you, that you do diligently in your life. You pay close attention to it. It is probably something that you do daily or multiple times a day or throughout the course of your week. And you pay attention to this because it is a priority for you. It is a priority in your life. So you do this. Um, some of you are very diligent in your work. Uh, you pay attention to the details. You get up every day. Sometimes you probably plan the night before and you have your planner out and you're like, man, I'm getting my work day down tonight. And then you go to sleep and you hit the ground running. You, you are diligently applying yourself to your work because you love your work or you are deeply uh, committed to your work or you're deeply committed to getting paid every week. There is something, but you exercise diligence. Right. If you are a parent or you think about being a parent, parents do some things diligently um, in raising their children because it is that type of responsibility. And so the word of God here says to guard your heart. Watch out. Watch over it. Guard it with all diligence. So here again, I, I think there's a sense of urgency here. Um, and, and so it's important to to hear um, what this word actually means and, and get kind of a picture. Certain words, I have a picture, right? Um, to be diligent, you know, this idea of hard work, paying attention, because this is something in which I am very invested. So the word of God, here Solomon says in this proverb, in this wisdom, to guard your heart with all diligence. Now I want to share, uh, next slide please, I want to share something with you. That's going to be there. I'm going to read something. Uh, I, 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 I don't read um, something usually this big, but here we go. Sin lives in our hearts. And because it does, it corrupts our thoughts, desires, choices, and motivations. We were created to be servants of God, but sin makes us servants or lovers of self. We were made to worship the creator, but sin causes us to worship the creation. We were designed to live for God's glory, glory, but sin causes us to make life all about our own glory. And unless these things change in our hearts, our behavior won't change at all. Or if it does, the change won't last for very long. Now, the Bible uses many terms 
for the inner spiritual, thoughtful, desiring, motivational you. But all those terms are gathered together and summarized by one big collective term, the heart. It's one of the most often used words in the Bible. In fact, um, in fact, the writer here says that you can't understand the transforming grace of God unless we first understand the condition of our heart. Now, the part here that I like that I shared with you, the heart is the causal core of your personhood. Again, sounds kind of nerdy, but what he's really saying is we live out of our hearts. We live out of our hearts. It is the seat of your thoughts, emotions, desires, and motivation. It is the worship center of yourself. Your worship, if you worship God or whatever you do worship, it comes out of your heart. The heart is the reason you do the things you do and say the things you say. You and I literally live out of our hearts. I love this guy, Paul David Tripp, and he writes New Morning Mercies. I had this book for several years, and sometimes when I know I need, when I, when, I, when I need to take a good hard look at myself or examine my life or what's going on with me, I grab this book and I spend some days devotionally here. And I think when we talk about um, the desires of our hearts, right, um, this heart issue, we're going to talk about three things today. Um, next slide. I, I know that I have a sin problem that originates in my heart. The sin problem that I have originates in my heart. Now, you go back to Genesis and you're familiar with the sin of Adam and Eve, right? What, was, what caused that sin? The serpent said, you'll know what God knows. God doesn't want you to do this because then you'll know what he knows and you'll be like him. So the sin this temptation and this sin of pride, we all are born in with this problem. It is something that we all share, knowing that I have a sin problem that originates in my heart. So next slide. A couple of scriptures here that do a really good job. One, um, then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was so great on the earth that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So Genesis chapter 6, right? God sees what's going on on the earth. He tells Noah, hey, I want you to build a big boat. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Nobody had ever seen a boat before, right? He says, Noah, I want you to build this thing. He says, God is looking over the earth and he says, people are living in an evil way. They're sinning. It says, as a matter of fact, they're giving their sons and daughter in marriage. They're drinking, um, living crazy, doing whatever they want to do, Right? Where is this coming from? What's causing this? Where is this coming from? He says, and here it is, every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We live out of our hearts. And my, and my go-to is to just jump and share some more scriptures with you. But I want to be careful here because we don't like to think of ourselves that way. I don't like to think of myself that way. But apart from Jesus Christ, right, and even after I know Jesus, I'm still dealing with this sin problem, right? My sins are, have been forgiven and are being forgiven, but, but I'm told here in Proverbs, in the present, even as a follower of Jesus, to guard my heart continually. So there is something that still wants to come, that still wants a piece of my heart that, that, that I have to be aware of. There are still dangers for me as a sinner, even as a follower of Jesus. And so in Genesis 6, God just destroys the entire earth. 
He said, look, they're not even trying. He said, no, get your family, get on the boat. They're not even trying, man. It's every thought and every intention um, um, coming from their hearts was evil. That's a pretty serious indictment of the human race. Think about the world in which we live now and the murders taking place in our cities all over our country, not only in our cities, but we hear the most about that and the violence and the fear that is spread and, and the challenges that we have. And, and a pastor was on the news and and I know people probably mocked him afterwards, but he was so right. He said, we don't, have a, we don't so much as have a police problem. We don't so much as have a leadership problem. We have a heart problem. The pastor said that. I said, you go, pastor. I don't care what they say about you. My man was on the news and he said, and what he's saying is he knows those other things are challenges. He says, but what we have in our city in Baltimore is a problem of the heart. And he was so, so right. So next slide. So we hear in Genesis here. Now, Matthew 15, 18, and 19. Look, y'all know Jesus gave, Jesus gave uh, 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 the Pharisees a hard way to go. They deserved it, right? And he says they were concerned about religious traditions. They were concerned about observing these little traditions, but not living in right relationship with God. Jesus is getting ready to give them a hard time here again in Matthew 15. He says, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. Again, I'm old school. Um, King James, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, today, I like the King James. I don't know why. I know we're committed to the NASB. But, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The words that come out of my mouth are coming from my heart. And some days I have to say, yikes, ouch, right? I'll say something and I'll look around to see if anybody heard me because it was pretty bad. Where did that come from? Nobody made me mad. I didn't hit my thumb with a hammer. I just didn't like something. I woke up on the wrong side. I have a bad attitude today. And that just came out. Was that a slip? There's no such thing as slips, by the way. Ooh, I no, you didn't. You didn't slip or fall. You ran and jumped. And, and so, so it's a heart issue. So when I have that attitude coming out, or those words are coming out of my mouth, it's not a behavior thing. It's a heart thing, even as a follower of Jesus. And he said, so, and those defile the man, for out of the heart come, and, and come uh, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, and slander. Man, that's a pretty significant list. He said, these are the kind of things that start in my heart. So here's what happens even as a follower of Jesus, right? I can't look in or you can't look in and see what's going on inside someone's heart, so to speak, right? Um, but these things start in our heart. So when someone does, and I was reading an article about pastors of megachurches and, and when they fall and, and, and the sinfulness that comes out and, and you know, man, they, they pay a heavy price, right? Um, and they, they earn it. Um, but what, what they're saying is, it didn't start with some big horrible sin. It started in a man or a woman's heart a long time before that big sin hit social media or hit the newspapers. And this guy is being, you know, this guy has fallen from grace, so to speak. And, and so what happens is something's going on in our hearts and we're not guarding our heart. I'm not guarding my heart. I'm not addressing something that's going on. And, and so these are issues of the heart. 
Uh, you know, you always hear that, oh, the heart wants what the heart wants. But you know what that really means sometimes? I'm not a totally unromantic person. But you know what that means sometimes? That really is just a nice way of saying, I want what I want and I'm going to get it. I want what I want. And, and so because if I'm not guarding my heart, um, I am subject to, to those types of compromises, whatever it may be. The, the, the sin that you are, that challenges you, may be different than the one that challenges me. But it starts in our heart. So, uh, I love this in Psalm 51.10. David was in trouble. King David was in big, big trouble, right? You know what he did? He, he uh, committed adultery with another man's wife. He got her pregnant. He took advantage of the situation. He manipulated people. He, had her hus- he put a hit on her husband. I mean, King David, right? He, he loved God, right? And he's saying in Psalm 51, 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. When Nathan came to David and Nathan confronted him with his sin, there came a point where David was broken over his sinfulness. And he knew, he cried out, Oh God, wash me with hyssop. And, and, and my heart will be clean. Oh, God, forgive me for this sin. David got on his face. He was heartbroken over his sinfulness. But there's something that he recognized here, that that sin came from a heart that was not right. So, you know, a lot of people say David was chilling at the house up on the roof. He had a rooftop deck up chilling at the house when all his men were out at war. Maybe he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Some people don't agree with that, but it's there, Right. Uh, something started in this man's heart and this man's life, and this is how it came. So this sin, he, he recognized this, God created me a clean heart and make my spirit right within me. So we talk about our spirit, our heart, um, our mind, our thoughts, and, and, and I agree with the writer here that all of these things make up, make up our heart. We live out of our hearts. In the old days, the, there was a Greek word, and even a Hebrew word that literally meant kidneys. Um, and they said, you know, this is deep inside of me. Um, that word um, that, that, you know, the, just the deepest, everything is in here. My emotions, my heart, the things I desire, you know, um, that which is deep down inside of me. Next slide here. So, number two, we're going to see only the saving and sustaining grace of Jesus can fix this issue of the heart. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but I saw it in kind of a fresh way this week. Um, So, not only do I have to recognize what's going on in my heart, for starters, right? Number two, I do recognize, and the writer says here, and I read a few minutes ago, only the saving and sustaining grace of Jesus can fix this heart problem. If I go to Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to go there, the scripture may be on the next slide. Nope, I lied. Okay, uh, Romans 10, I'll read it. He says, actually, I'll start in verse 8, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, 
you will be saved. Now, it gets better. For with the heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Your salvation is also a matter of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. My thoughts, my desires, my want-tos, the things that I love, the things that I want to love, um, everything, my relationships that I care about, all of this is inside of me, it's in my heart. And this is where we come, this is where we come and we trade the sinful heart that is destined for hell for a heart that is purified and, and forgiven and destined for heaven and eternity with Jesus Christ. And yet, remember, Solomon is still saying we have to guard our hearts. Now, so, so part of the problem is fixed in a sense, but I hesitate to say that I should have chosen my words more carefully. We come to Jesus Christ for saving faith, right? For our salvation. And, and he cleanses our hearts. He forgives us for our sins, right? His blood cleanses us from our sins. Him raising from the dead gives us the opportunity to have eternal life and our salvation. But it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. So Jesus fixes our heart with saving grace, but then there's sustaining grace. And this is where we lay the template of the gospel over top of our day-to-day -day lives. It is a sustaining grace that will keep you from the sin. It's the sustaining grace of Jesus Christ that will keep me from the sin that would bring me down. And like I said, it's not just one big sin that ruins a person's life. It's a hundred little compromises that happened way before that. And because they're going on in my heart, sometimes there's clues, right? Someone's attitude changes. Someone becomes bitter. Someone uses words and language, not necessarily cursing, but words and language that are negative um, and, and just, uh, not, just not somewhere you would think someone who was walking closely with Jesus would be. And that's where it's starting. But so, Romans chapter 10, there is so much hope here, both for the saving grace right here in Romans 10, but also the sustaining grace for you as a follower of Jesus Christ who desires to guard your heart. Um, um, we'll just go to the next slide so I don't keep, uh, so that I don't repeat myself. So here are some things we try to do. So rather than deal with the issues of the heart, I will make a commitment. I'm going to do better. Man, I'm going to stop doing fill in the blank, right? Remember when I was still in active addiction, the longest I ever went, the longest I ever went without a Budweiser was 12 days, and I was just the most unhappy, meanest uh, uh, person that you ever saw. But I could grit my teeth and clench my fists for 12 days. But let me tell you what, that 13th day was bad, y'all. So making commitments. I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I can do this. No, I can't. Sometimes self-help, right? I'm going to read a book. Uh, I'm going to take a class. I'm going to fill in the blank, right? Running away from situations, locations, and relationships. That one, I'm not that good. That one came from an article that I read yesterday, and I should have given it credit. But know that I read an article online, and I really liked that point, and so someone's getting credit this morning. Um, sometimes I will run away from situations. Sometimes we call that living in denial. Um, sometimes I'll say, if I could only move away, everything would get better. I can't tell you the amount of times I've heard that on Greenmount Avenue, and there are. I have some friends 
I have some friends, and you know what? I thought, wow, if this friend, if this friend, if changing locations was part of a larger, healthy, holistic plan, I would be all for it. So don't misunderstand me. But anyway, we want to run away from situations, change locations. We want to, uh, uh, we think we can fix it with a new relationship or getting out of an old relationship. The problem is, wherever I run to, Whomever I leave and wherever I run to, in order to try to fix this myself, I'm still taking me with me. And I still haven't dealt with the issues of the heart. So these are some things that we do on the outside because dealing with the issues of the heart are scary. They're scary for me. I mean, maybe you're tough. Maybe, you know, maybe you're that mature, sensitive person and you and Jesus are walking closely. And if you are, if you are, you need to lead a Bible study and teach the rest of us how to walk closely with Jesus like you do. Because No, and I'm being serious because uh, there are just times that we struggle, right? Um, oh, I did. He got credit for that one. Okay, next slide, please. And so here's what God says in Deuteronomy. And this is the Shema. You know I talk about that. It's a Jewish confession of faith. Uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Now in a moment we're going to talk about that last part. But he says, so my love for God, my response to God's great love for me should be me hopefully in right relationship with God, loving him with all of my heart. So this is a heart, this is a heart that has received salvation and wants to express love back to God. We are capable, we are capable of responding in love to the God who loves us so much. And he loves you unconditionally. So fear, guilt, and shame, some of those things that keep us at arm's length with God when we're not right with him need not be there. So, next slide. Number three, the word of God will guard my heart in all of life's circumstances. All right, guys, take a deep breath. Um, Psalm 119, I'll do my best. You know it's the longest chapter in the Bible, right? Yeah, well, we're not reading the whole chapter. You're okay there. Um, but it's all about the Word of God, okay? Here's something I know. Some people believed this a long time ago. When I was a kid, I was about 12 years old. And we were in this church. I'm going to preach there next Sunday morning. And thank you all for letting me, allowing me to go back and preach in my childhood church. It is a great privilege for me. And the opportunity only comes around every so often. Um, but in that church, they believed this. They believed this with all their hearts. So when I was about 12 years old, we would get these little books and we would be challenged. Well, really, we were told we were going to do it, right? My mom and dad. But we were going to memorize the Word of God. And when I got about 12, 13 years old and I started doing this, there were like 10, 12 verses a week for 12 weeks. And I would hand my book to, watch this, Mrs. Betty Schwarm, my buddy's mom. And she was wild, boy. She would get you. She and Jesus, they were tight and she would get you. But Mrs. Schwarm would take my book and I would have to recite 12 verses, 10 or 12, ver 9 to 12 verses with sometimes different references. And you only got three helps, three helps per week. And she didn't like to give those up very easily either, right? 
And so I was memorizing the word of God, right? 12, 13 years, whether I wanted to or not. Sometimes I wanted to and sometimes I didn't. But that didn't matter because my mom and dad, you know, right? Yeah, little fear, fear of the Lord through mom and dad. Little fear of dad. Um, but I was memorizing the word of God. And I can tell you that even in active addiction seven or eight years later as a young adult, I was, used to say the word of God haunted me, which is so wrong. The word of God convicted me all those, all those years, my formative years that I memorized the word of God saved my life. It saved my physical life as well as my spiritual life. So if I read in Psalm 119 in verse 9, I say, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Verse 10, listen to this. With all my heart I have sought you, God. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 11, right? Everybody is familiar with this verse. Here we go. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay? I know, this King James still coming out, right? Next slide. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. And you'll see this in several of the verses in Psalm 119, guys. This is life-saving stuff here. Seeking God with all my heart keeps me from wandering. We just read that in verse 10. God, God's word is keeping the young person pure. Verse 9, I'm telling you, it works. Knowing the word of God, recalling. Sometimes you'll think you're recalling it. If you're a Christian, it's the Holy Spirit recalling the word of God for you, bringing you under conviction so that you can fight that temptation or flee that sin, right? But God's word is keeping the young person pure. Now, is he talking about morally pure? Is he just talking about pure in all his ways? Because it's specifically referring to the young man here, I think maybe morally, because let's just face it, that is just a giant sin. Um, it's just a giant sin that men throughout the ages have wrestled with, or it could be his just everything that comes your way in the world that challenges you, right? God's word will help the young man do this. There have been books written and studies done, and I did small groups with teenage guys in my church and um, these are like, you know, kind of like embarrassing type issues, like the last thing teenage guys want to talk about. And yet I, I, I would be, I would do my best to be polite and just share that, man, the word of God can save your life. The word of God can save your physical body, your, your spiritual self, your emotional self. Because God will, God will use his word to snatch you up out of those situations. He'll bring it to your mind and ruin your sin. God ruined a lot of my sinfulness. If you ask me to explain that to you later, I will. God ruined some of the fun of my sin because I knew his word and eventually brought me back closer to the Lord. Memorizing, treasuring God's word in my heart keeps me from sin. What is my treasure? What do I value? I can tell you I have not memorized the Word of God intentionally for years. I've leaned on everything I memorized when I was younger. I'm sloppy and lazy. Now, you just heard the pastor's confession. Listen, God's Word strengthens me when I grieve. I, I shared this with my pastor this morning because he's sitting with his wife and his grieving daughter. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your 
word. You want to be strong in your faith when you're wrestling with grief and loss? You want to be strong in your faith when you're wrestling with trauma and anger and disappointments? My soul weeps, but specifically here, my soul weeps because of grief. Listen, when you're grieving that great loss in your life, strengthen me according to your word. Run to the word of God, not somewhere else. Run to Jesus, not somewhere else. God's word corrects my errors in thoughts, attitude, and behavior. Oh my, all that? Yes. Verse 29. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. Sometimes if I am away is a lifestyle or a path or just somewhere I'm going. So remove the false way. Sometimes I think I'm okay and I'm not. Sometimes I think I am understanding and believing and going in the right direction and I am not. So he calls this the false way. He says, God, you have to remove this from me because obviously I'm not aware of it, right? Say, so, well, if you're living in denial, how do you fix that? Because you're the one living in denial, right? You kind of, yeah. And he says, God's word will do that for me. God's word will shine light in the darkness in my own life. Um, but specifically correcting errors in thoughts and attitude, which will lead to correction in behavior. I promise it does. Now, I can ignore it, too. I'm good at that. I'm good at living in denial and, and ignoring the reality of a difficult situation and just acting like nothing's wrong. Um, I am good at that. And, and so the word of God makes us aware of our flaws in those areas. And the word of God can bring us back to the right place. Um, lastly, it prevents and relieves shame in verse 80 here. Um, and I don't think, yes, may my heart be blameless in your statutes so that I will not be ashamed. May my heart be blameless. Um, may it be complete. My heart is right with God. Blameless in the sense that God knows my heart. My sins are forgiven. I'm not going down the false way. I'm not taking advantage of, any, of anyone. I'm not living in sin. But God's word can also prevent me from having to deal with. Now, look, not all guilt and shame is. There is good guilt and good shame, right? There's societal norms. We do something wrong. It's public. And, and, and we have to answer for it, right? But I'm talking about that shame, fear, guilt, and shame that keeps us, that keeps us in the bad place, right? So, so the word of God will prevent and relieve shame. May my heart be blameless in your statutes so that I will not be ashamed. So, if in fact, I think that was at our last slide. No. Oh my goodness, here's a good one. If you were to read all of Psalm 119, you would say at least eight, and you can check my math when you read it, um, meditating and delighting in God's word shows up eight times. Matter of fact, it's almost, it shows up in pairs. It shows up in pairs, meditating and delighting in God's word. Listen, there is something we're talking about knowing, memorizing God's word, but just meditating, sitting quietly with God in his word. If you just read a verse and you try to quietly sit with it, all the distractions will come in your thoughts. You might fall asleep. You might start thinking about something else and then it'll come back to you and you'll try again. Keep doing it. Keep doing it because meditation is really, it's one of the most challenging spiritual disciplines, but it's also one of the most rewarding spiritual disciplines. So shows up here in Psalm 119 eight times. 
Meditating on God's word will help us accomplish these goals of living out of a heart that's right with God. Seeing the false way, correcting my thoughts, attitudes, and behavior, keeping me on the right path. Meditate and delighting in God. So ask my, I ask myself this question, in what did I have joy this past week? What delighted me? What made me happy? What made me laugh? What did I have that, you know, that lasting sense of joy this week? Did I have any joy this week? And if so, why? Did I have some joy in God's word this week? I mean, I did, but I also knew I was going to be preaching this morning, so I had to say something right now. I, I did have some joy in God's word this week, even with, with a challenging week and lots of distractions. So meditating and delighting in God's word is important. So we all have this challenge, right? We live out of our hearts. Sometimes our hearts aren't right. Only Jesus can fix this challenge. And then God's word is the greatest tool for dealing with issues of the heart. And remember, sometimes we try to fix things ourselves, right? Relationships, we'll change locations, uh, I'll read a book, change my behavior, and then we get frustrated because those things don't work. Or if they do, they don't last very long. We have to come to Jesus both for saving grace and for sustaining grace. So in closing this morning, I'm gonna pray for us uh, for that, for you, for me.